Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This episode of the Bearstalk Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink. Your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in Sports Drink. Spelled like Sports Drink, but without the vowels. So S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. <laughs> What's up, guys? This is the very first ever uh, Bearstock Underground NFL preview uh, episode. And um, you're going to have to bear with me for the first, I don't know, hopefully not much more than a few weeks while I get my footing with how I really want this show to go. I mean, I've, I've, I've been banging it around in my head for months ever since I decided that I wanted to do it like this uh, this year. Um, still haven't really settled on a format, uh, if you will. Basically, the plan is to kind of go through the schedule, break down the games, and depending on when I crank the episodes out on Thursdays, I'll either be recapping the Thursday night game or trying to make a a pick for it uh, to get it posted for the episode to drop on Friday. In this particular uh, instance, I had a very long day today, so I did not uh, get the episode recorded before the game. So I'm sitting down about 20 minutes after the game uh, ended where the Bills dominated the Rams 31-10 to uh, to kick off the 2022 season. So I'll kind of be recapping the game. Uh, I wish I had it on record that I picked the Bills <laughs> to win the game. I really did think Buffalo was going to uh, win, so you'll just have to trust me on that. Because because one thing I know for sure is that I want to keep track of my uh, wins and losses with my pick. So I'm officially one and zero. Trust me, I I wanted I picked the Bills to win, and uh, we'll see how I do with the rest of my picks throughout this week, and uh, see how I uh, measure up with my quote unquote expertise and how the NFL is going to go. Now, I will say that I used to run a pick'em league for years because I hate fantasy football. Um, it was always a frustrating thing uh, for me. I, I think I explained this once or twice on the show because people have asked me uh, if I were, if you know, if, was there going to be a Bears Talk Underground Fantasy League and all that kind of stuff. And when I played in fantasy football, I played in a keeper league, and I was always – the guy that had like the most points in the league, but somehow I was always like four and ten, three and eleven, because it never failed that most of the weeks, as you see, three and ten, four and eleven, or whatever the hell the records were, uh, I could win just about every single game in the entire league. I could have beaten everyone except the dude I was playing that week. It happened all the goddamn time. It drove me insane that I would be able to basically dominate the league except for the the horrible luck that I was always going up against the one person who could beat me uh, in in most of the weeks. I think my best and most successful season I ever had in the five or six years that I played was like six and seven or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Never made the playoffs, never got a sniff of it, but always kicked ass and scoring points. Like, I could pick the players, but I could never uh, anticipate that 90-point game that this random tight end was going to have, uh, you know, because of all the things that he did uh, and have the game of his life the week that he was playing me. So uh, so I, I gave up on fantasy football years ago. But, like I said, I ran a pick'em league for years uh, with a bunch of friends uh, and everything, and... If there's one thing you can count on is that more times than not, week one is the Wild West because you'll see things like brand new coaches, new offenses, new players playing with each other for the first time and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, you know, my beloved Chicago Bears uh, are all of that. A bunch of players playing together for the first time, brand new head coach, rookie play caller on offense, 
uh, you know, a guy looking to rebound from a from a poor stint as a defensive coordinator the first time around, uh, and Adam and uh, Allen Williams and everything. It's uh, going to be an interesting day on Sunday. But if if there was a a, we, a league a week that is so hard to predict, it's week one. So sometimes you'll you'll just be running out the gates and you'll make all the right picks, and sometimes it's not outrageous for you to go like. Five and eleven, week one, just because you're you're thinking about last season and nothing makes sense week one. So uh, let me just preface that as to like, don't be surprised if I go seven and nine or you know something like that with my quote unquote expert picks uh, this week. So, but anyway, let's go ahead and get this show started. We'll start with the recapping of the the Bills over the Rams, and then we'll move on to the other matchups and get this thing uh, get this thing buttoned up. Get you ready for week one. So this is. The very first week one NFL preview of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Twenty twenty two officially got underway tonight in SoFi Stadium, home of the defending world champion L.A. Rams, as they hoisted the banner to celebrate their Super Bowl fifty six win over the Bengals in that very stadium just seven months ago, and. Um, that was about all the happiness that there was to be uh, for the Rams. Um, I mean, the, the the score at halftime was 10-10, and it, the Rams were fortunate to have been that close because do- Buffalo dominated this game pretty much start to finish. They're, they got the very first uh, you know a drive of the football game, nine plays, 75 yards, five minutes into the game, the Bills are up 7-0. I mean, they literally marched the ball right down the field and uh, put a touchdown uh, in the end zone or put a, you know, Gabe Davis of all people who scored all four touchdowns uh, late in the game against Kansas City in that amazing divisional game, picked up right where he left off with scoring the first touchdown uh, of 2022. And if not for three turnovers from the Bills, 10-10 is a generous way for the first half to uh, have gone. Uh, you know, it just, um, it, it, the, the, the Rams were dominated from start to finish here so this is like what I was talking about uh in the opener with how you know uh tough week one is to predict I don't think that we should assume that the Rams are automatically going to flop this season because they got beaten by the Bills week one because they lost the game that most champs win now if they end up going you know 0-2 0-3 something like then maybe we can start to worry about how the Rams are going to shape up in 2022 so I mean it's not like they went out there uh, and they got their asses handed to them by the Falcons or the Jaguars or something like that and uh, you know although that you could also chalk that up to just week one craziness this is a team that's not supposed to only go to the Super Bowl but a lot of people think they're going to win it this year in the Buffalo Bills and they did a lot to kind of make that statement that they are the team to watch uh, this year I mean we could have witnessed tonight a literal passing of the torch uh, today from last year's champ to uh, this year's. I mean, Josh Allen was just, uh, you know, a, a caged beast unleashed uh, in this football game. Uh, threw for nearly 300 yards, three touchdowns. He had the two interceptions, but those both came uh, in the first half. Uh, but it's like the, the the Bills defense sacked Stafford seven times. They, I, th- I, I think it was garbage time before they finally got over 200 yards offense uh, for the Rams. Cooper Cup was a non-factor. And for us Bear fans out there, you know who else was a non-factor? Allen freaking Robinson, one target for one catch uh, in this ball game. So it was uh, not looking much different there uh, for Allen as far as the attention and the production uh, based on 2021. So, but uh, you know the Bills come out and they dominate the Rams. Uh, they make that statement that uh, they are the team to watch, um, or at least you know to take notice with the Bills and. They are who we thought they might be uh, coming into the season, at least after one week uh, of the season. So, again, one week does not a season make. The Bills could very well just fall flat on their faces after this, and they they put everything that they had into beating the world champs on opening night, and then we don't hear from them again. It's, it's, it's not unprecedented for such a thing to happen because, as you guys have known, I've said I've mentioned this a thousand times before. Uh, the the Bears hosting the Cowboys on Monday Night Football, um, week one of I think 1996, and you know there's Wanstad, he's the head coach, the former 
Dallas Cowboy defensive coordinator. Here come the world champs, uh, you know, on opening on the first Monday night game of the year, which was like the premier game at the time. And the Bears just whooped the Cowboys from pillar to post, man. I mean, we dominated that football game. I think it was Brian Cox's first year with the Bears, and he's in there. He's getting sacks. We're forcing turnovers. We busted up Emmitt Smith. He left the game injured and all that kind of stuff. It's like, man, the Bears made a statement. We got it done tonight. They're going to be a team this year. Yeah, no, they weren't. I think they were like maybe 7-9, and 6-10, and something like that. One week does not a season make. So while everyone's well, re, you know, at this point ready to crown the Bills and they're ready to lambaste the Rams, everybody just hold off on that prediction for a few weeks. I mean, how many times have we seen in the NFL a team come right out of the gate 5-0, and 6-0, and and not play the play? I mean, hell, uh, was it last year? Or no, 2020. The uh, Steelers started 11-0. and limped their way into the playoffs, and then gotten boosted in the first round. So just because they look like something doesn't mean that they are. So uh, as much as we all want to crown the Bills right now and, and uh, kind of pace the, uh, you know, laugh at the Rams for, you know, really not showing up in their home opener to defend their world championship, it's only week one. So, uh, but man, the Bills look fantastic. They really did. I mean, it was all all gas and no brakes for the Bills, and uh if you're a Rams fan, you might be a little bit worried, but also keep in mind, it's week one. There's a long way to go here. So, all right, let's get to the rest of the schedule here. Uh, first matchup, we have the Saints and the Falcons. A lot of people really high on the Saints uh, going into this thing. Um, you know, really think, I mean, I saw like, you know, experts and such making their making their picks. They're They're picking the... You know, some are actually even picking the Saints to win the the South uh, this year. Others are definitely picking them to be a uh, playoff team uh, this year. I'm not so sure. You know, Michael Thomas, is he actually going to be healthy? Is he going to, you know, be out there? I mean, they've been ravaged by injuries over the year. It's the first year with, uh, you know, without Sean Payton. The first year is uh, um, Dennis Allen with the as the head coach. Uh, of the Saints, you know, it's it's Jameis coming back off of an injury uh, last year. So, you know, it, it to me, I'm I'm more of in wait and see mode with the Saints than I am just like, oh, look at this on paper. It's like, yeah, they've looked on great on paper for a long, long time, but uh, it's been a while since they've actually contended. Uh, you know, in the NFC, you know, they've they've um, they're kind of like the the Colts under Manning for the longest time, how they were just absolute. Warriors through the regular season, but the playoffs was another matter uh, entirely. You know, for how they look during the regular season, Peyton Manning should have won six Super Bowls, five. You know, he should have been in the Brady discussion. I mean, I think he's still a way better quarterback than Tom Brady ever was. But as far as the championships being the measurement, Manning is way behind Brady on that because he and his teammates just didn't show up in the uh, in the playoffs. The Falcons, on the other hand, year two under Arthur Smith. Marcus Mariota, the brand-new head coach. Matt Ryan has moved on. He's in Indianapolis now, not to mention this is a Bears show, and it would be, you know, careless of me not to mention how many former Bears Ryan Pace uh, took with him down to Atlanta when he took – I don't know exactly what his position is with the Falcons, but it's not a coincidence that he goes down there and then literally every person that Ryan Poles got rid of somehow found their way into an Atlanta Falcon uniform, like Damian Williams, Jermaine Afidi, and the name. The, the list goes on and on. It's quite impressive, actually. But, um, you know, Atlanta's at home. It, this is like an intense rivalry, the Falcons and the, the Saints. That's Bears-Packers uh, for them. But I'm going to take the Saints uh, to win this one on the road, get the season off on the right foot. Ah, and look who's up next. Our beloved Chicago Bears. Open up the season at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, you guys heard me talk to Robert Morrison from Niner Noise uh, about this matchup yesterday. And, you know, like I said, it's week one. Funny things can happen, so it's absolutely possible that the Bears can win this game uh, on Sunday. It's absolutely possible that the fact that they don't have much on film uh, of our brand-new offense don't have a lot of film of a lot of guys that are going to be playing for the first time, like Lucas Patrick, Byron Pringle, and so on, uh, you know, on the field uh, for the Bears. 
and uh, you know the first year with Trey Lance as the full time starter and how he's going to handle that. He hasn't really played real football since like what week six or seven uh, of of last year. I don't see. I don't think he saw any action later on uh, in the season. He started that one game against the Cardinals and uh, pretty sure they lost and. He also got injured in that uh, in that game uh, as well. Nothing serious. He's only out a couple of weeks, but nonetheless, uh, it wasn't a successful showing for him in his first NFL start against the Cardinals last year. So, but on paper, matchup to matchup, San Francisco is the better team. So logic says they should win this game uh, on Sunday. I got a funny feeling that the Bears can win this, but logic is going to win over me. I got to pick the 49ers uh, here. I will be blissfully happy to be wrong about this uh, on Sunday when the game unfolds. But, uh, you know, right now, you know, my main concern is that offensive line uh, of the Bears. Will they gel together? Will they play well enough to slow down that front seven uh, of the 49ers? How well is Braxton Jones, our, our rookie left tackle, going to hold up against an all-pro like Nick Bosa and whatever else the 49ers throw at him. Um, there's been a lot of talk this week about where Lucas Patrick is going to play because he, he's healthy enough to play, but is he healthy enough to be our center and snap the ball? It's his snapping hand that uh, has the busted thumb on it. Will they shift him over to guard and maybe Sam Mustafer will be the center or maybe they shift him over to left guard and Cody Whitehair is the center. And, you know, Tevin Jenkins keeps his spot uh, at right guard and all that kind of stuff. The shuffling around is going to make it hard for this offensive line to gel. It's going to make it hard for them to work together and protect Justin Fields, which is probably the most important aspect of this football game. You know, um, with David Montgomery running the football, he can get yards even when he's not being uh, protected. It, they're tough, ugly yards. Open up some lanes for this guy, and he'll make the 49ers pay. But it, it all comes down to the offensive line. If they can hold up against that front seven, the Bears have an excellent shot at winning this game uh, on Sunday because, um, you know, if as long as our defense can keep from giving up the big play, because that seems to be what Trey Lance is good at, is the deep ball, the hitting the deep plays, and, and, you know, taking the big money shots. Uh, not so much with the intermediate to middle, uh, you know, throws and things like that, like we talked about with Robert Morrison uh, yesterday. So as long as the Bears, I think, can put a cap on the big plays, keep everything in front of them and force the 49ers to uh, work for it, this could be a good matchup for the Bears. And like I said, if there was a time for the Bears to be playing the 49ers, I would like for it to be now while Trey Lance is still trying to get his feet, while they don't know much about what the Bears are going to be bringing to the table on offense and the schemes and the route patterns and such that Lou Getze is going to throw out there. This is a 50-50 thing for me, but right now I'm going with the 49ers because they are, on paper, uh, the better team. So we'll see how it all unfolds. I'm taking the 49ers, but I'm rooting for the Bears. You guys know that. Uh, another rivalry matchup, Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Um you know, the Cincinnati Bengals defending their AFC championship uh, crown against their uh, arch rival in Pittsburgh. Obviously, this has some interesting Chicago implications with the the new starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers being none other than Mitchell Trubisky taking over for the now-retired Ben uh, Roethlisberger after beating out first-round uh, Kenny Pickett to get the quarterback, uh, the QB1 uh, spot on that team. This is a good setup for Mitch. You know, he, he's got some really nice pieces around him. He's got Najee Harris behind him. Um, you know, he's got uh, less, uh, not less, uh, but Claypool, the wide receiver uh, from Notre Dame, uh, and other, you know, pieces around him offensively, a good offensive line. Uh, things that he didn't necessarily have in Chicago, especially the good offensive line. Um, you know, uh, there might be some concerns with, with this one, but it's still probably better than most offensive lines Mitch had to play behind uh, in Chicago, uh, unfortunately. But they are going against the defending AFC champions. Joe Burrow is back, uh, you know, plus the plethora of tools uh, that he has, the, the solid running game. They went out, and the thing that really killed them, especially in the Super Bowl, was the offensive line. They went out and got Lael Collins. They added some other pieces to the O-line as well. They still have Jamar Chase and uh, the other weapons they have on the offensive side. They, I think they were like number two or number three in the NFL as far as returning players 
uh, you know, coming back. I think the Bears were at the bottom. We've got 19 players from last season on the team currently, you know, because Ryan Poles could just gut the roster again and sh- shave that down to single digits before before kickoff on Sunday, knowing this guy. But um, I, I just um, I'm, I'm going to go with the Bengals here because this is kind of like with the Bears and the 49ers. I'm going with who I think the better team is. Um, but that's going to be the real question about the Bengals this year. Are the Bengals going to be the defending AFC champions who are looking to, A, defend their AFC North crown, B, reclaim their spot atop the AFC and go back to the Super Bowl uh, this year and right what went wrong against the Rams last season? Or are they going to be the Bengals? Because, you know, not the world's greatest comparison, but the Bengals, in recent memory anyway, are kind of like the Bears. Every now and then, they'll surprise you. They'll put a good season together. They'll make a run in the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. But they never really have been able to back that up with consistent success. And, you know, it's uh, will the Bengals be the defending AFC champions or will they be the Bengals? Um, It'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds, but I like them to win this one, start the season off right uh, with a win over the Steelers. Uh, Next matchup, we have the Eagles and the Lions, the Lions being the home team here. Anybody who watched Hard Knocks has to have some kind of sentimental attachment not so maybe not attachment is not the right word but kind of a sentimental feeling towards uh the lions there was a a lot to like there uh with dan campbell i I love his coaching staff and i think they're all former players so they've all got skin in the game as far as like these are guys that definitely know what they're talking about not only had they played football um you know they've played pro football at the highest level and some of them were some of the best to do it uh, during their time, and it's uh, it's an impressive staff that they've put together. And you know, Dan Campbell, he's a passionate guy, and uh, he's a character for sure. And and I I really like what he was putting together uh, in Detroit. I mean, talk about a complete change of pace from what uh, the Lions and Lions fans had to suffer through with Matt Patricia, you know, who was supposed to be their Bill Belichick. And when he tried to be Bill Belichick, he, the whole thing went down the toilet. So, um, you know, with, with the, the character that he wasn't uh, and everything, bringing Dan Campbell in had to be some kind of uh, fresh uh, breath of fresh air uh, for them because it's been fun to watch him in, you know, in the press and stuff like that last season. And then to get more of an intimate picture of him uh, during Hard Knocks uh, this summer. That being said... If there's a team that's going to take the NFC East away from the Cowboys this year, it is the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, my only concern for them is Jalen Hurts. I'm not really a fan uh, of him uh, as their quarterback. I, I really think that this, like with their with the roster they put together, they are a quarterback away from winning a championship. I think. Uh, I don't think Jalen Hurts uh, is the guy, but um, you know I do like them to win this game. Uh, on Sunday against the Lions. I do think the Lions are going to be a tough out this year, though. Uh, the it, it does look like the you know those guys are buying into the whole grit uh, mentality that uh, you know that Campbell preaches and that we saw him kind of beaten to the ground uh, with hard knocks. He got a lot of passionate football players, maybe still not the most talented roster uh, in the league, but I think they're going to surprise some people uh, this year. I just don't think it's going to be the Eagles. Uh, week one so give me the uh, give me the Eagles for the win uh, over the Lions I think it'll be a tough out uh, for Philly but I do like them to come away with the win uh, on Sunday Uh, another uh, divisional matchup here the Patriots going to Miami to play the Dolphins interesting matchup this is one I'm going to keep my eye on because it's week uh, it's game one for Mike McDaniel as uh, as head coach uh, they 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 went out and got some some pieces on the offensive side. They made the the trade for Tyreek Hill. They've uh, handed the reins over to uh, to a Tonga Vailoa. No no quarterback competition or anybody nipping at his heels this year. It's his job, uh, no matter what, which has to be uh, you know give some peace of mind to the young quarterback uh, and everything. When we uh, had our guest over the summer talking about the. Uh, Dolphins, it's like the defense is virtually untouched. They have everybody who they had last year was a top 10 unit last year. So it was really up to the offense to, you know, really kind of get it done. And this was a team last year, if you guys remember, started like one and seven, then one seven in a row before, you know, 
I think splitting the last two to finish eight and nine or something like that. Uh, nine and eight, eight and nine, uh, last year. So, um, they're capable of winning games. Uh, I think they're the first team in history to go on a seven game losing streak and then follow it up with a seven game winning streak. And when we broke down the schedule, it was Brian Miller was his name, our, our, our guest. When we broke down the schedule in that seven game losing streak, there were at least two or three games that they should have won. And, Throw that in there, then this is a ten and seven, eleven and six team uh, that's in the playoffs for sure, as opposed to the nine and eight team where Brian Flores is fired, and you know we've got controversy and all that kind of stuff uh, going on there. New England, it's year two under Mac Jones. Uh, it's uh, and, and not people, not a lot of people high on the Patriots uh, uh, this year. You know, not liking a whole lot of things that they did. Even when we had our, our guest this summer, uh, Pat Lane. Uh, talking about the uh, the Patriots. He was talking about maybe eight or nine wins, so not even matching up to last year's 10 or 11 win. Uh, I think it was 10 wins uh, for them last year. Got them into the playoffs where they were pasted by the Bills uh, in that wild card round, but not a lot of people high on, on the Patriots uh, this season. So let, that's why I'm so interested in seeing how this was. Miami swept the Patriots uh, last year, winning week one and week 18, uh, over 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 the Pats, and I'm interested to see if they can get that going, uh, do or do it again. Well, you know, get the Mike McDaniel uh, regime started off on the right foot by beating the uh, by beating the Patriots and and uh, getting a, a solid win uh, under their feet. So, like that's I'm very interested to see to to look at this game because of how the offense is going to look under Mike McDaniel. How is year two going to start for Mac Jones and the Patriots uh, and everything? hoping to get some tells and some indicators from this football game on Sunday just to see what we're going to be dealing with here with these two teams, especially since the Bears play them both. So we got the AFC East and the NFC East, so these are teams I want to keep an eye on because they're uh, we're kicking the can down the road. We're going to be playing these teams uh, here. The, the the Patriots, in fact, on Monday Night Football, our only Monday Night game of the year. So, But um, I'm going to go with the home team on this one. Give me the, uh, give me the Dolphins. This is going to be one of those, you know. It might just be a week one thing, but with Mike McDaniel and them bringing out that offense, Tyreek Hill and his playmaking uh, ability and all that kind of stuff, I'm going to go with the Dolphins uh, on this one. So, all right, next game, I would be picking this differently. I think if Zach Wilson was playing, honestly, I, I really do. Um, I'm not as high on the Raven as most as, as most people. Are people thinking Lamar Jackson is going to bounce back and have another MVP-type season? Uh, I think we've seen the best of uh, Lamar Jackson that we're going to see. That that unbelievable MVP season he had in 2019. I'm not saying he's going to be a bad football player and he's going to be the next Vince Young or anything, just completely disappear. I just don't think he's going to dominate the way he did in that season. You know, I think he can still be a solid, productive Quarterback, I just don't think he'll ever be MVP again. I, I just don't see it. But, um, you know, the, the the Ravens, but but also the Ravens are a wild card as well because they were a team that was just ravaged by injury last year. I mean, hell, they lost like six running backs just in training camp last year. It's like they were literally pulling guys off the street to run the football uh, for them, and this is a team that runs the football. So, uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see how Baltimore is going to be now that they're healthy or at the very least healthy-ish. You know, there's no way they can be less healthy than they were last year, uh, the way that these guys were banged up and, and all that kind of stuff. And then I, it's like I love the offseason that the Jets had. I loved their draft, and I, I really think they're headed in a, in a good direction uh, with Robert Sala as the head coach and, and, and all that. They had the awesome three picks uh, in the first round. Uh, for them, plus they got Brees Hall in the second round at running back from Iowa State, uh, who was probably, I, I guess, the heir apparent to uh, Montgomery uh, after he left uh, in, in 2019 uh, and everything. But Zach Wilson goes down, and then you got, you know, Cement Shoes Joe Flacco out there, who's a Super Bowl MVP quarterback, and, you know, he definitely has the credentials, but I think he's well past his prime, and this is not his football team. You know, it's like Zach Wilson is not likely to play till I till I, I read this week week three or week four at at the earliest. Robert Sala uh, says with that injury, suffered the same injury that that Andy Dalton suffered against the uh, 
Bengals last year, uh, which threw Matt Nagy's quote-unquote plan all into a, a tizzy uh, by not preparing Justin Fields to get some time with the ones and you know, then had to throw him out there as the starter for several weeks. And uh, what a mess that was. But, um, you know, they're saying that Zach Wilson is going to be out for another three or four weeks. So it's Joe Flacco's team. I don't know, man. Like I said, I, I really like the Jets and what they were doing, uh, what they did through the offseason and, and the draft and all that kind of stuff. I really like the team they were putting around uh, uh, Zach Wilson. And then Zach Wilson goes down. So right now... Um, it was going to be a coin flip for me before the injury, but now with the injury, I got to go with the Ravens uh, to win this one on the road over uh, the Jets. So put me down for Baltimore. All right, here's an interesting matchup. We got the Jaguars and the Commanders in Washington uh, on Sunday. We're still in the noon games, uh, by the way. Uh, these are all games that will be going on while the Bears are playing uh, on Sunday. Uh, this Jacksonville is it's a, it's an interesting situation down there, man. Urban Meyer was like a marquee hire, his first time in the NFL, and he could not have been a bigger disaster. He didn't even finish the season, and this is not like uh, 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 Bobby uh, Petrino just walking away. This was you're a disaster. I gotta let you go. That's how bad it was. It wasn't like oh. This isn't going well, and I want to go back to college, so I'm I'm quitting. This is, no, you're a disaster. You don't deserve to be here, so you're gone. Uh, that's how bad it was with Urban Meyer uh, in Jacksonville. It stunted the progress of Trevor Lawrence uh, last season. They also were unlucky with the injuries, but they broke the bank in free agency, probably overpaid for every single guy that they got. But when you're consistently the worst team, in the league, when you're back-to-back seasons drafting number one overall, you got to use something to get get guys to come play for you. But I think they made an excellent hire in bringing Doug Peterson in uh, as head coach, and I'm very interested to see how, under his tutelage, uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to you know grow uh, as an NFL quarterback because he's got all the tools in the world uh, to do it. I mean, what a superstar he was uh, in in college. He was the worthy number one overall selection last season. Uh, you know, going into 2021, but he got nothing from Urban Meyer, not a thing as far as helping in his development and uh, all that kind of stuff. It was a mess. So I'm interested to see how Jacksonville's going to work under Doug Peterson. Now they have a competent, experienced, Super Bowl-winning head coach uh, running the program uh, down there, how that mixture of you know free agent talent that they brought in there, not to mention being able to pick at the top of every round uh, and everything will, will help them with the, uh, the better college talent that they uh, you know, were able to bring in uh, through the draft and everything. Uh, I'm interested to see how it all unfolds for Jacksonville. Washington, on the other hand, first year under the new brand. Uh, they are no longer the football team or the Redskins. They are the commanders now. Not a fan. I was hoping they'd go with uh, Red Wolves or something like that, something a little bit more menacing than commanders. It just it just kind of lands with a thud, you know? Like I, 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 Red Wolves is what I would have voted for if, uh, if, ha- if given the chance. But they're the commanders, so we got to live with it. Uh, still going to take some getting used to calling them that. Never really did embrace football team. I can't even tell you how much I hated that. Just how generic and, you know, uninspiring it is. Like, yeah, it's like, I'm a bear. I'm a falcon. I'm a bangle. I'm a football team. What? You're a football team? Yeah, that's how that sounds. But um, but everybody knows, you know, we love Chico uh, Rivera, former defensive coordinator for the Bears, former linebacker for the Bears, member of the 85 team, somebody that I met personally many, many years ago. Um, and but it's interesting. They brought in Carson Wentz. They made the trade for him when it was obvious it wasn't going to work out for him in Indianapolis. Um, they gave the extension uh, to to McLaren, the the wide receiver. Uh, they are going to be missing Chase Young though, with the uh, the knee injury he suffered towards the end of last season. He's still not ready to go. And there have been mixed reports on whether or not he re-aggravated the injury at Von Miller's football camp. So I read that he did, then some conflicting reports saying, no, he didn't, and you know, and all that kind of stuff. But he's on the pup list, and he's out for the first four weeks for sure. 
Will he come back after those four weeks, and what will he be when he does come back is the real question, but he's going to be a non-factor in this one because he's not playing uh, against Jacksonville on Sunday. I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm going to say that Jacksonville wins this game. I'm taking the Jaguars here. Probably wrong, but I got to go oddball on some of these picks, and something tells me take the Jaguars, you know, duh, with, you know, all the, 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 the talent and everything that, that Jacksonville has acquired, having Trevor Lawrence, having a coach that's actually coaching him, uh, you know, maybe be, you know, catch Washington by surprise uh, in, in week one. I think this is going to be one of those week one fluke wins. I'll take Jacksonville uh, on this one. Still in the 12 o'clock area, we have, uh, it would be a lot more interesting if he was playing, but he shouldn't be, and he's not, and that's Deshaun Watson for the Cleveland Browns. But it would be very interesting if he was playing in this one, uh, especially since he'd be going against the guy they got rid of uh, to bring him in, and that's Baker Mayfield, who did win the starting job for the Carolina Panthers. That's the home team with this game uh, on Sunday, the, the Browns and the Panthers. Talk about a game that I wish was moved to the 3 o'clock slot so I could watch it. Uh, I really am interested uh, in this game. And Baker Mayfield, I, I really loved him in Oklahoma. I really did. I, I think I was higher on him than most people were coming out of college because I liked his, his passion. He was very Brett Farvish, in my opinion, uh, when he was in uh, college. Like just somebody his teammates absolutely loved and you know would, would drive through a brick wall uh, for the guy and everything and I'm wondering if that's going to be an asset or like a virtue or a vice going into this game because he's already said he's going to whoop Cleveland's ass he's already said that and in much more colorful language uh than that trust me um you know and I'm I'm wondering if if it's if he's going to be going out there and just be a little too emotional try a little too hard and make some mistakes that end up costing Carolina this football game or will he be able to keep it under control and uh, you know, use use the uh, use it use that as an asset to help him uh, push his team ahead to win the game. Because on paper, I actually believe that Cleveland is the better team, despite Jacoby Brissett being the starting quarterback uh, for them. the The running game, the you know, the monsters that they have on defense and and everything. Cleveland's got a decent team. You know, they you know, and Joku a tight end, and the wide receivers uh, that they have, and you know, you know, Chubb and and um, Hunt, Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, in the in the backfield, uh, you know, and they've got tons of talent on the defensive side as well with Clowney and, and Garrett and and you know the the corners and everything. They're they're a good football team. So I I think Carolina's the I mean uh, Cleveland is the better team here. Carolina has the emotion, especially if they buy into winning one for Baker. Has he won his teammates over enough that they would care uh, to try and and get the win for or that not so much that they would care about winning, but winning for him. You know, getting him this win, they screwed him over to bring in the guy they ended up getting. Not only to do that, but they gave him an unbelievable, unprecedented, one-of-a-kind contract uh, on top of it. And, um, you know, they threw it all away and got rid of him for a scumbag. You know, will they buy into that and, and use that emotion to help them win this football game? But on paper, Cleveland's the better team. I'm going with them. Will not be surprised if Carolina wins this game. i got to be honest with you. Won't be surprised at all if Carolina wins. But I'm going with uh, Cleveland uh, to win this one. Last 12 o'clock game, another AFC South, uh, or another division matchup, AFC South opponents, Indianapolis at Houston. God, you know, we're Bear fans. We love Lovey Smith. But uh, they still got a lot of work to do down there uh, in Houston. Uh, they really do. Uh, I'm sure with him as head coach, there's you know they're working a lot on the culture and changing the mentality of the Texans, who have not been good for the last several uh, years. Uh, they've kind of been the butt of the league uh, the last several years, especially with the whole Deshaun Watson mess and him holding out last year and bringing in David Culley and firing him after one season. And you know, Lovey was a defensive coordinator, but he stays. He's promoted to head coach. There's a lot going on down there uh, in Houston. But um, they're, they're still working on their football team. They're not going to be a very good team this year. The Colts are a lot closer. They have Matt Ryan, which automatically puts them in a better spot at quarterback than they were uh, last year. They have Jonathan Taylor at, at, at running back. Uh, they still have uh, Shaq Leonard uh, at linebacker, even though they lost Iberfus, their uh, defensive coordinator, and a couple of pieces that followed him uh, to Chicago. 
they're the better team here. Give me the Colts uh, to win over the uh, Texans. Now, we're into the 3 o'clock games now. And uh, first one up is Tennessee at home hosting the the new-look New York Giants. Brian Dable is, uh, comes in as the uh, head coach. Uh, thanks to the Justin Fields trade, they had two top-10 picks, one in Thibodeau, uh, the defensive end out of Oregon, who I, I don't know if he's going to play because he suffered that that uh, knee injury uh, in the preseason. But, uh, you know, uh, Evan Neal, that offensive tackle uh, from Alabama, was an absolute beast of, a, of, an, of an athlete, uh, is, is going to be on that offensive line helping them. Saquon Barkley apparently looks like Saquon Barkley uh, again. So it's, it's just a matter of keeping these guys healthy. Like they paid big money to bring in uh, Kenny Galladay from the, uh, uh, from the Lions last season, and I think they got about five snaps out of him before he went down uh, for the season, which was also a problem that he had in Detroit with staying healthy. But uh, if they can keep guys on the field, protect uh, Daniel Jones, who is a talented guy, he is a he is an athlete. He can play. It's just uh, they haven't been able to quite surround him, uh, you know, and help him get the tools that he needs. This is his last shot. You know, Brian Dable was able to help develop uh, Josh Allen into the superstar that he is. Uh, you know, but he doesn't have the same time with Daniel Jones that he had with Josh Allen. He doesn't have three or four seasons to build him up. He's got 2022 to show that Daniel Jones is the guy or the Giants are moving on next year. You can bank on that. So um, it's, it's, a very, it's going to be a very interesting year uh, for, the, um, for the Giants. They, they've, they've got a lot to work on. And, uh, you know, they're tired of losing football games, but they're, you know, on to their next head coach already. Uh, Joe Judge out after only two seasons. Dable comes in. And uh, we'll see how that all works out uh, for them. Tennessee, on the other hand, number one seed in the AFC last year, boosted in the first round uh, or boosted in, the, boosted in the divisional round last year by the Bengals, despite sacking Joe Burrow nine times in the division. How do you sack somebody nine times and still lose the ball game? Well, when your quarterback throws like three or four interceptions, uh, that usually is the uh, the issue. And it's it's a strange situation they got over there in Tennessee because they're not very high on Tannehill after the way that he performed last year, especially down the stretch and in that playoff game in particular. And then they drafted Malik Willis, who fell to them in the third round. He had an outstanding preseason, showing all the reasons why he was rumored to be a first-round pick, even though there was only one first-round quarterback uh, this season. Uh, he had an outstanding preseason. I got to watch Tennessee play a few times uh, during the preseason. He's he's a he's an athlete. He's he's very very talented. So I wonder if he can continue that. I mean, I don't know how he would now that he's you know probably going to be on the sideline watching. He's going to have to get it done on the practice field. But if he can continue building on what he did in the preseason, I wonder how long it's going to be before Mike Vrabel has to make a change, especially if Tannehill struggles out of the gate the way that he did at the end of last season. Uh, but this is also a team that's got an excellent defense, and they have Derrick Henry. You know, so yeah, lot to work with uh, there. So I mean, uh, they they traded away. Um, oh God, the wide receiver was it AJ Brown? Yeah, they traded him to uh, Philadelphia, which is one of the reasons why I like the Eagles so much. Uh, you know, they drafted uh, Burks out of uh, Arkansas in the in the first round to replace him. A lot of production he's got to uh, account for uh, there. So we'll see how it all works out uh, with Tennessee. But as far as this matchup goes, give me the uh, Titans. I like them better than the Giants. And then a game I'll definitely be watching in the 3 o'clock slot, Minnesota hosting the Green Bay Packers. Now, depending on who you talk to, the first place team in the NFC North is playing in this game. Most are obviously picking Green Bay. A lot of people picking Minnesota. Uh, if they're not picking the Packers to win the NFC North, they're picking the Vikings to do it, uh, despite the fact that they're bringing in a brand-new general manager, a brand-new head coach, and Kevin O'Connell, who is the right-hand man for McVay in, in Los Angeles, uh, you know, thinking that this is going to be another successful McVay coaching tree hire and uh, that uh, you know, Kevin O'Connell is going to be able to uh, you know, tap into something with, with Kirk Cousins that uh, defensive-minded um, Zimmer uh, Mike Zimmer could not uh, in his time uh, as head coach. But uh, I'm interested to see if, if Minnesota can live up to what people think 
uh, they're going to be. You know, obviously they have Justin Jefferson, they have Adam Thielen, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook coming out of the backfield. There's a lot to like about this team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. It's just whether or not Kirk Cousins, who actually had a very statistical, very good season uh, last year, just seemed to not, you know, come up in those big, big moments. So maybe that's something O'Connell can help uh, bridge the gap with uh, Cousins for to help the Vikings become the team they think they can be even in year one of a brand new regime. So not just a head coach, but a new general manager, which means a different focus on the team, building the roster and so on and so forth. I mean, with, with the way that Ryan Poles gutted uh, Ryan Pace's roster, I wonder what this team would look like had Ryan Poles taken that Minnesota job. Very interesting something, uh, very interesting what if to kind of contemplate. Uh, and Green Bay, the Packers are the Packers. They still got Aaron Rodgers. They uh, unfortunately brought him back, and I mean unfortunately for us as uh, Bear fans. Um, they did lose Devontae Adams. They brought in Sammy Watkins. They brought. They drafted Christian Wilson. So we'll see how that, uh, how much they missed Devontae, uh, and and you know the the connection that he had with Aaron Rodgers and uh, and all that kind of stuff to see how they can account for uh, that that the hole that Devontae Adams is going to leave behind. Um, but this is also a team that is supposed to be uh, as good as any team in the league on defense. This is uh, th- this is something that people think is going to be their strength this year is their defensive uh, unit. So they got a lot to work with Kenny Clark and, um, and Gary and uh, you know, it's just, they're all over the, all over the board with the, uh, with the with the Packers, I mean they they they've they've put together a good football team. So, uh, you know, with with the Packers and the and the Vikings, they always seem to split the series year in and year out. It's a one and one thing, and there's no rhyme or reason as to who wins where. As in, like the Bears and the and the Vikings, it's usually a home and home thing. The Bears win in Chicago, the Vikings win in Minnesota. With the Packers and the Vikings. It doesn't matter because two years ago in 2020, the Vikings won in Green Bay. The Packers rolled the the Vikings week one uh, in Minnesota. Uh, you know, last year the Vikings won in 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 Minnesota. Green Bay won in Green Bay. It's just they always seem to uh, split the series. So it's just uh, <laughs> it's it's almost like maybe you, you you can't really figure out who's going to win this one, but history says whoever loses this game is going to win the next one. So it's just that's where that's where the money can be bet on. Like okay, depending on how this first one goes, that's how the second one. You know, you can go with the opposite uh, result uh, in, in the uh, in the in the rematch uh, later on uh, in the year. But it's definitely an intriguing matchup, one that I will definitely keep my eye on on Sunday after the Bears get done beating the 49ers, <laughs> even though I'm still picking San Francisco. Um, but one that I will definitely keep a close eye on because I really am curious to see if Minnesota can be the team that people think they're going to be as far as the alternative to the Green Bay Packers. Like If, if it's not going to be Green Bay, it's definitely going to be uh, Minnesota uh, that wins the division and, and you know goes to the playoffs uh, this year. So I'll take Green Bay in this one, though. Uh, just can't bet against Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, because he, he's still Aaron Rodgers, much as we hate it. But all right, moving on. Uh, Kansas City at Arizona. Going to be keeping a close eye on the Cardinals this year, especially since they are the midseason hard knocks team uh, this season. I'm very interested to see how the season goes for them because the last couple of seasons under Cliff Kingsbury. They've gotten off to fast starts. I think they were six and three two years ago in 2020. They were ten and two when they beat the Bears in Soldier Field uh, last season, and then struggled down the down the way. They went uh, in 2020. I think they went you know two and five down the stretch, and the Bears held a tiebreaker. So that's why we were in the playoffs instead of the Falcons. If the Fal- excuse me, the Cardinals. If the Cardinals win one game of that, you know. Two and seven, two and five stretch that they win. They win one more game there in the playoffs, and we're not. We didn't deserve to be there, but it, it went down the way it went down. But last year they were ten and two. I think they finished eleven and six, maybe. Uh, and then, of course, just were embarrassed in the, in the wild card game against the uh, against the Rams uh, last year. Uh, you know, this was they they really struggle. 
uh, in the uh, later half uh, of the season. And, and I'm very interested to see, like, if if we meet up with the Cardinals in early November, uh, and at that point they're a good eight to ten weeks into the season at that point, are they seven and three? You know, are they looking good? Are they looking like one of the better teams? Because when the Falcons, I keep wanting to call them the goddamn Falcons, when they called, when the Cardinals beat the Bears, they were the number one seed in the NFC. With that victory at 10 and two, they were number one in the NFC. They were going to host everything last year. And somehow they ended up being, I think, the five or a six seed, something like that, when it was all uh, said and done last year. Like that's how poorly, that's how much it went off a cliff after they beat us in Chicago last year. And if we meet up with them in November and they're, you know, six and two, seven and three, or, you know, whatever the record is at that point in the season, and then we watch them lose six out of seven or, you know, five out of, you know, whatever it is. And the either a don't make the playoffs or, you know, fall flat on their faces in the early, in the wild card round again, despite the success and the back-to-back playoff runs, do they hang on to Cliff Kingsbury or are they going to bring in somebody who can close? That's what makes them one of the more intriguing teams uh, this year. That being said, I don't think there's any way in hell they win this game on Sunday. Uh, no uh, DeAndre. Um, oh, God damn it. Hopkins. No DeAndre Hopkins. He's out for six games because of PEDs. They're, they're likely playing without J.J. Watt is what I'm hearing uh, right now. There's a chance he might play. Better chance that he won't. No Chandler Jones. Uh, I heard Marcus Golden uh, had some kind of uh, freak injury in the weight room that might keep him out of the game this year. I mean, that's three huge pieces missing from their defense uh, right there. So not to mention no DeAndre Hopkins and uh, and everything. And, and Kyler Murray's got a lot to live up to now that he got the $45 million a year contract extension from the, uh, from the Cardinals. See, I didn't call him the Falcons that time. Uh, and the other problem is they're playing the Chiefs. So uh, the Chiefs are coming into town. And if you look at Arizona last season, for all the success they did have, you know where they didn't have it was at home. They were like seven and one or eight and one on the road last year. And ironically, that loss was to the Lions in Detroit. Uh, the, the Lions just out of nowhere just murdered the Cardinals one day. Just murdered them, and I think they were they were like eight and one, seven and two on the road last year, and they really struggled at home. Like they won some ball games early in the season, but I think they ended up losing like their last five home games last year. So not only do they have a lot of holes in their defense, they're missing their best offensive player. They've also got the Chiefs coming into town, and and this is a team that's got a chip on its shoulder after losing the AFC Championship game last year. They're also looking to you know replace the productivity of Tyree Kill. They go out and sign Juju Smith Schuster away from the Steelers, uh, and everything. You know th- this is a squad that's uh, looking to answer for uh, coming up short after getting out to a big lead in the AFC Championship game. This is going to be their first real opportunity to answer uh, for that. And they're playing a team that's already on the ropes. It's an ugly situation going on in Arizona at the moment. So uh, when they start getting some guys back, then maybe we can start picking Arizona to win some games. Uh, But they're going to be missing some pretty important pieces on defense. And the Kansas City Chiefs are pretty awesome on offense. So I'm going with the Chiefs uh, on that one. Uh, Last 3 o'clock game, we got the Chargers hosting the Raiders. Um. You know, obviously, as a Bear fan, I'm going to keep an eye on this one to see how Khalil Mack looks in his first opportunity uh, playing opposite uh, Joey Bosa. I mean, talk about a nightmare uh, matchup and and one that I would salivate over if I had ever had it in Chicago. Um, But unfortunately, Khalil Mack's time was a mixture of being banged up and, you know, also probably being banged up because his partner on the other side and Leonard Floyd for the first few seasons wasn't holding up his end. I just got done talking to a buddy about this where, um, you know, watching the Thursday night game tonight with the Rams, how they were talking about, uh, you know, Aaron Donald was kind of struggling today because he's not getting any help from Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd isn't getting to the quarterback. So they, so the, the bills had no problem keeping the double and triple team on, on Aaron Donald because Floyd wasn't hitting, winning his matchup on the edge. So they didn't have to devote any more attention to him. That's exactly what happened with him and Khalil Mack in Chicago. 
I mean, this is a guy, Leonard Floyd, his first two years in the league, he led the team in sacks, and we brought Khalil Mack in, and you're thinking like, okay, well, now things are really going to kick off for Leonard Floyd because he's going to have, in the early going, he's going to have one-on-one matchups while Khalil Mack is getting you know the double teams and the extra attention uh, to protect their quarterback. And then when, when, they're, when they have to start devoting some attention to uh, Floyd to counteract that and Khalil Mack's getting one-on-one matchups, we're really going to have something here because then you're going to have to pick your poison. You're going to double-team Mack, you're going to double-team Floyd, and Floyd just never... He never got around to being that guy, and the Bears ended up letting him go. He goes off to the Rams. He's he's doing well in Los Angeles with the Rams, but uh, you know, poor Khalil Mack was over there fighting double and triple teams while Leonard Floyd struggling to beat, uh, you know, the guy on the other side. And then finally, we brought Robert Quinn in, and he was all banged up in 2020, so it was like having Leonard Floyd all over again. And then last year in 2021, while those two were healthy and together. They were the most prolific sack tandem in the NFL. And then Khalil Mack suffers that foot injury. He can't come uh, back. And, you know, Robert Quinn's out there murdering the league for 18 and a half sacks. But, you know, kind of getting away from the thing. But it's just, you know, I was really looking forward to seeing those two healthy and together this year. But Ryan Poles had other plans. Sends him off to Los Angeles to be with the Chargers. Uh, A team that is chomping at the bit uh, to make their mark to you know, make a playoff run. They came up just short uh, last year. Uh, they made some really big improvements with J.C. Jackson at corner. Uh, they added Khalil Mack to, to you know to counteract Joey Bosa. I mean, that's a that's a mess. I mean, that's that's Clowney and Garrett. Uh, you know, comparable with as far as like you know a one-two punch coming off the edge. Yeah, Khalil Mack on one side, Joey Bosa on the other. And both of those guys are not just animals in the pass rush. They also play the run very, very well. Um, so I'm very interested to see how that's going to unfold out there. Oh yeah. And there's also Justin Herbert who might be the next best quarterback in the league, uh, you know, that they're developing, uh, out there. So, I mean, it's, um, year two under Brandon Staley and, uh, you know, to see if they can kind of fill in the gaps that cost them a playoff run last season and see what the Chargers can do if they can make a deep run. They're hosting the Raiders, who are also new general manager, new head coach with Josh McDaniels. Uh, you know, made a lot of changes uh, to the roster. Brought in Devontae Adams to pair him up with his college teammate uh, Derek Carr, looking to see if they can, uh, you know, be the tandem that they were that got them both into the NFL. Uh, you know, several years ago. They're both thrilled to be together now. Whether or not that can translate into productivity on the field uh, is the real question. So I'm definitely going to keep an eye on this one. Uh, This one's kind of a toss-up right now because it's week one uh, and everything. But I'm going to take the Chargers because I just like the Chargers better than the Raiders right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if Vegas came out with the win. But give me the Chargers. Uh, Sunday night matchup is is a rematch of last year's uh, season opener. Tampa Bay at Dallas, like this time it's at Dallas instead of at Tampa Bay like it was last year. Boy, talk about two teams that are going to be tough to gauge uh, this year. I mean, Tampa Bay's back. They had that disappointing playoff loss where they, uh, you know, they, they fell short uh, against, the, uh, against the Rams in that divisional game. They were looking to defend uh, their Super Bowl championship last year, came up just short in that divisional round to the the Rams who went on to win the uh, Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, Brady retires, then he comes back. Uh, Bruce Arians retires now. Um, Todd Bowles uh, is, has taken over uh, as head coach. Um, Byron Leftwich stayed after flirting with the Jaguars about being their head coach uh, and everything, going back to the team that drafted him. He stays. He's still in Tampa Bay calling plays. It's interesting. You know, was Arians, is, is Arians the difference maker? Can Todd Bowles succeed as a head coach with his second opportunity? You know, I, I kind of classified Todd Bowles as the next um, Bum Phillips. Not Bum Phillips. Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips. The next Wade Phillips as far as being that guy that is an absolute genius on defense. Uh, you know, as a coordinator and does so well that he keeps getting opportunities, that he got an opportunity to be a head coach, did not do well with the opportunity, 
and then went back to being a defensive coordinator and all of a sudden was the best defensive coordinator in the NFL again. And that's what happened. Todd Bowles became one of the premier defensive play callers under Bruce Arians in Arizona. He gets his head coaching opportunity with the Jets. Doesn't go well, um, you know, with his first opportunity. Goes back to being a defensive coordinator for Arians in Tampa Bay, and his brilliant defensive strategy just castrated the Chiefs and won them a Super Bowl in, in 2020. So it's like, is it? Are we going to see the cycle again? And Todd Bowles isn't just is just just not meant to be a head coach, but he's a he'll be a Hall of Fame defensive coordinator like Wade Phillips. Uh, that's a real question that I have uh, for this uh, football team. But I mean, if what better situation could he have walked into? When Tom Brady comes back, they have you know Godwin and, and Evans on offense, and uh, you know at receiver. Got some worries on offensive line with their center going down like second day of uh, training camp. I don't know if he's missing the whole season or if he's just going to miss most of it. It's like I don't know why they would even bother bringing him back if he's not going to be back to like late November. But if they bring him back, they bring him back. It's up to them. But Ryan Jensen, of course, who I'm talking about. But uh, the Cowboys, on the other hand, they made more subtractions than they did additions. And, uh, you know, when, when talking to RJ Ochoa uh, previewing the the the, the Cowboys – they weren't very crazy with a lot of the moves uh, that they made. And, of course, you had the whole mess with Randy Gregory and, and the contract thing, and he ended up signing with the uh, the Broncos uh, uh, and everything. Uh, it's a tough one to gauge, but I'm going to go with Tampa Bay over over Dallas. I just like Tampa Bay better uh, than the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, it is the NFC East, and nobody goes back-to-back in the AFC, or at least, no, or excuse me, NFC East. At least no one's done it since 2004. Uh, anyway, so that just his, history says the Cowboys are going to take a step back uh, this season, and I think it starts on Sunday with a loss uh, to the Buccaneers. They lose the rematch. It was an outstanding opening game last year, but they lose the rematch uh, uh, once again to the Bucks. And then finally, our Monday night matchup. It's it's only interesting because Russell Wilson in his first game as quarterback of the Denver Broncos is going to be playing in Seattle against his former team. Uh, that's literally the only thing interesting about this matchup. Uh, I think Geno Smith ended up winning the job over Drew Locke uh, at, at, for the quarterback position of the Seahawks. We all saw the Seahawks up close in that second preseason game. You know, granted it was a preseason game, but this team was a mess. I mean, an absolute mess compared to the Bears uh, in that ball game. So I probably won't pay much attention to the Monday night game. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely picking the Broncos. Uh, to win because they they are a better football team even on paper, and I just think you know Russell Wilson's going to get his. Uh, I don't think he wants revenge on the Seahawks. I think he was ready to go uh, from them, but uh, you know I th- definitely think he'll get the upper hand uh, on his old squad, who is definitely in kind of like a rebuild mode. This is not a team that's that's ready for success uh, at all. So there you have it, guys. Give me the. Uh, let's see, we go in the Saints, the Niners, the Bengals. The Eagles, the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Jaguars, the Browns, the Colts, the Titans, the Packers, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Bucks, and the Broncos. Those are the picks for this week, along with my successful pick of the Bills. Trust me, I I did pick the Bills, even though I don't have that on record. I'll have to make sure I, I do that next week uh, when I'm when I'm previewing the uh, when I'm reviewing. Uh, the games that I go ahead and pick the Thursday game just in case I don't get to it, uh, just in case, uh, you know, I don't do the show until after the Thursday game is uh, over. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to, to, to button that up next week. But um, those are my picks. Uh, we'll see how I do uh, when we come back on Tuesday to recap uh, all of the action, uh, you know, from week one. Uh, we'll talk about the Monday night game and then how it unfolded. If I watch it, I don't know if I will. Maybe I'll just watch Sports Center and recap it real quick. But uh, we'll uh, we'll get to all of that and um, see how this uh, see how this NFL experiment goes here with uh, Bears Talk Underground and and what we're doing uh, this season. But uh, you know, maybe we'll come up with more of a more of a structure uh, and whatnot. But I think this actually went pretty well. So anyway. Come on back on Monday when we'll review Bears 49ers. And like I said, we're doing all-in-one now. We're not breaking it up anymore. We're going to have bear-ups and bear-downs. We're going to have knee-jerk reactions, the whole nine yards to recap the game from Sunday. So come on back for that. And until then, 
My name is Larry D, and this has been the Bearstalk Underground. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.